Welcome to Two Baptists and That Amish Chick, a podcast brought to you by the Butter Churn Girls. I'm Leslie. And I'm Bethany. And I'm Berlin. Join us for candid conversations about organized religion, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how we broke free from it while holding on to our faith in God. In these candid conversations, you can expect to laugh, to relate, occasionally cry, and definitely hear a few cuss words. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform and follow at the Butter Churn Girls on all socials. Now for this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're super excited for today because we have a special guest and he is amazing. I feel like amazing is a really like little word to describe mm -hmm. this, this person. <laughs> But like, um, he's just, he's done so much for me and he's like a, been a father for me, father figure, because as you guys know, my dad, um, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast or not, but my dad left when I was a young kid, preteen and just never came back. And so I never had a dad. So I was very much without what that looked like. And so, um, we're so excited to have him. He like runs a school and just basically changes the world on so many levels. And so, <laughs> Dub, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have you. Hey, absolutely. It's an honor to be with you guys. And uh, man, it's been great running with you guys just in life and advancing the kingdom. So proud of what you guys are doing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate Thanks. that. Yeah. Um, today, we're going to be talking about identity. So we've done a previous episode <clears throat> on what identity looked like for us in the culture we grew up in. Like, you know, identity is a word. I think it's like a, it feels like a blanket word that people just use to yeah. describe something. And so if you don't know the definition of a word, you can very easily abuse it or misuse it, you know, cause you just don't know what it is. And how many times do we even say a word to somebody and they're like offended or like, whoa, what are you saying? And to them, it means something completely different. And so I think really defining what identity is, is mm -hmm. so important. And like, we've talked about our experience and what identity looked like, quote yeah. unquote, you know? And so um, we're bringing Dub in because he's done so much work with people in finding their identity. And we'd love to just have a conversation with you, Dub, about like how you found your identity, what that looked like for you and, you know, how you see it changing the world, how you see, you know, how important it is for people, what it looks like for people who aren't aware, because everybody has identity, right? They're just yeah. unaware of it sometimes. And so what does it look like for somebody who's unaware? Like, how much does that hinder them? You know, and so anyway, I have a lot of questions. I hope you guys have questions too. <laughs> yeah, I will you say, do. I'll mention too, is one big thing that we found up is as we've recorded podcast episodes, we've talked about deconstruction, reconstruction, purity culture, like a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. We kept tying it and like coming back to this identity piece. Yeah. And that's why we're like, wait a minute, we need to actually talk about what identity is because mm -hmm. we keep tying it back to where like, we wouldn't have to talk about purity culture. If we spoke identity into teenagers, we wouldn't have to talk about yeah. like deconstructing and reconstructing in the way that we have, if we were speaking to identity mm -hmm. first. So that's kind of where this is coming from. It's like, we started to realize that the the piece, the, the, we would kind of find the problem that we found in things as we did podcasts. And then we would be like, well, this feels like a solution and identity was always a piece of it. So we we're like, mm -hmm. we need to talk about this. So how do you define identity? Like, how do you think it impacts, um, faith Christianity like today? And how, what do you think could be done kind of differently with it? Yeah. So I, I really liked how at the end there, you began to speak about the different things that have impacted the way that we view identity, because, the perspective or the lenses through which you are choosing to view something 
uh, is really going to define or redefine the way that you see something. So even if you all shared the common etymology or uh, this is where that word came from in the English language, uh, you would still have a differing view of opinion surrounding what identity is based upon uh, your upbringing, uh, your faith background, your political background, uh, just the different opinions that other people have uh, have given you as you've been uh, growing through life. And so I would first have to clarify that the lens through which I choose to view everything is, is a faith-based lens. It's not a religious lens, however, and it's uh, all of my theology, and theology is just a fancy word for what I believe about God, is that all of my theology is built upon the truth that he is a good, kind, loving, heavenly father. And so because that is the starting place or the foundation of my whole belief system, which dictates my mindset, which dictates my perception of everything, then my view of identity for all of humanity is going to be based upon what the good, kind, loving Heavenly Father has to say about humanity and about mankind as a whole. And yeah. so identity for me would be, what does God have to say about humanity as a whole and about the individual specifically? Yeah. I was about to ask you about that because I feel there's a collective and an individual identity, right? Absolutely. And so um, what what um what is your what is your definition or your view of the collective what is the collective identity what does that look like what is that and then individual identity what does that look like for a person yeah so uh one of my spiritual fathers dana mccollum he talks about first name identity and last name identity and that would be the same lines along the same lines as a collective identity and an individual identity and so I would say that the identity or the way that God chose to identify the human race, uh, when we're eavesdropping on a conversation amongst the Trinity in, in Genesis uh, 126, and they are saying amongst each other, let us create mankind in our likeness and our image. Now, the image of something is how you identify something. You should be able to look at something and know what it is. And so when God assigned the collective identity of humanity, how humanity would be identified, it was because they would be in his image. And so I would say that the collective identity of humanity is beings who are made in the image and in the likeness of God. Now, because we are so much smaller uh, than the Trinity, we only have the capability individually to represent or represent certain facets or aspects, attributes of the image and likeness of God. And so those individual characteristics, uh, that would be the first name identity or the individual identity, whereas the, uh, the overall uh, identifying of being made in the likeness and image of God, or the last name identification would be uh, the just that everybody in humanity is made to represent an aspect, an attribute, or a facet of the Father's heart. I love that so much because mm -hmm. as you were talking, I was thinking like, yeah, you know, my last name is Burkholder, and I belong to the family of Burkholder, which is a lot of people, but <laughs> Bethany is my own individual, you know, yeah. it's who I am in that family. It's your facet of the family. Yeah, yeah. like this is the facet <laughs> of the family that I represent. Like I'm the youngest of 10 kids. I have this and this and this as my, um, even even as my, um, what's the word I'm looking for? My, like my mom and dad pass things on to me that like, oh, I can tell you're, you know, Carl and Rosetta's girl because you have their, some of their, 
like attributes yeah, qual- yeah, yeah qualities that's what I'm looking for attributes and so I'm thinking like on a grander scale that makes so much sense because like everybody has, is a facet of God and we've talked about that mm-hmm. like literally everybody's a piece of God walking the earth and mm-hmm. they're just a different piece yeah yeah you know which is so cool and I love that it just it, it makes identity so simple because mm-hmm. it can feel like such a big word to people because you know people I think sometimes people use the word identity for something that they're either still trying to figure out or um, that they identify with or they want to be, you know, like I want to be this. So this is my identity. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's the original intent of identity or like the original meaning because you're born with it. You, You like you don't just wake up one day and decide I'm this like you. Do you know what I mean? Mm hmm. So what's the difference, like, what are some of the things that people confuse with identity? Because I think a lot of times we get confused, like our personalities, because personality quizzes, right? Like all over the internet, like (laughs) people confuse that with identity, I think so often. Um, But like, what are some of those things that you've noticed people are confusing identity with? Yeah, well, I would say that any sort of mindset or belief system, uh, you know, will lend itself towards that. And definitely, I love the great point you brought up about personality, you know, sexuality, uh, different attributes that aren't necessarily uh, what you were meant to be identified by, uh, but that they are things that you identify with. And so I think that a lot of the confusion comes when people try to point to things that they identify with And they are actually lessening who they are because they are placing their identity in a mindset, in a belief system, et cetera, rather than, oh, I should be identified by the truth that I am a much loved son or daughter of God. And so uh, that has its origin. I have my origin in the heart of the good, kind, loving Heavenly Father. That is where I came from. That is what I proceeded from. And that is what I meant to represent on the earth. People should be able to identify uh, what I am because I represent the heart of the Father well, because that's where I came from. And so anytime someone says, you know, well, I am a Republican, or I am a Democrat, or I am a Baptist, or I am, you know, uh, and then they they tie the value of who they are, the I am of who they are to a belief system, to an ideology, to a mindset, Uh, then all of a sudden you have lessened the value of who you are and made it subservient to the thing that you are choosing to identify with rather than causing things that you identify with to serve the identity of who you are. Wow. I love that. I love how you said like lessening because that's what I think of too is that because we have so many things in culture that are said to be, I identify as this, I identify as that in different avenues. I've seen it become a separation piece, like separation into categories Mm -hmm. where people have different beliefs and we need to make sure that we're there to like stand up against it instead of like, like a set apart, set up uniqueness. It's not like every single one of you is unique and special. It's like, all right, let's separate and divide and like categorize everyone. And so I feel like it's been made into that thing that just kind of like, it does that. It's It's segregating versus creating unity in the difference and distinction. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Well, and even that, like, I love that because what what you just said, it like what you said, W limit, like people limit them Mm -hmm. themselves to a label or a thing when it's not, it's not either, or it's both. And yeah, 
And most people don't look at it like they think identity is these pieces that they identify with instead of realizing that, that that's just a part of who I am. That's just a like expression. facet, an expression. Mm-hmm. I have so much more that I am. That's just a little piece that actually adds to the fullness of my identity instead of that being the only thing. And you miss out on all of the goodness of who you are, the rest of it, because you just, you just put yourself in that box. Like this is who I am. And this Mm -hmm. is the only thing I am. Yeah. That's really, I think that it shifts people into, they are mistaking places where they are to show up and ways in which they are to show up. So uh, Mm -hmm. the where or the how they are mistaking that for the who they are to show up as. And so I show up as I am everywhere that I go, but who I am is meant to show up in different places and in different ways. But the truth of who I am never changes. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nope, you go. <laughs> um, so I really want to know. This is kind of shifting gears. So Leslie, if you had a question, it's probably the same question. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> because, because I want to know, like, what was your experience with finding your identity have you always known who you were and like you not knowing who you were how did that affect you and how you lived your life and then what was it like pre-identity and post-identity for Deb yeah wow that's a really good question so I would say that um, I certainly have not always known who I was and Sadly, the first definition that I was handed of who I was, uh, was handed to me by religion. And that definition was you're a sinner, right? (laughs) And so the first identity that I identified with was when I was 11 years old. And it was because, uh, you know, a well-meaning individual, uh, you know, came and told me that I was a sinner, right? And so for the first time, I was categorized and told who I was. And so from that point on, I identified as a sinner uh, and, you know, as someone who was messed up, who was broken, who was constantly having to try to overcome and try to be good and all of these things and avoid the wrath of the angry father, right? And all that garbage. And it wasn't until I got around people who knew God for who he truly is and what he is truly like, which is a good father, uh, that that allowed me to release the false identity of sinner, which was really causing me to act as an orphan, um, mm-hmm. and allowed me to embrace my true identity as a child of God, as a son. And so that is the first building block or the first foundation of my identity uh, that I came into contact with. And I was probably 21, 22 when that started to happen. And then uh, I believe that in addition to that, we never mature out of being sons and daughters, but we should mature into kingship and queenship. And so uh, referencing back to Genesis 126, let us create mankind in our likeness and in our image. And that verse begs the question, uh, what is God like and what is his image? And so what is God like? Well, God is other-focused, self-giving love. God is three persons in one being, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who have always existed together within the context of other focused self-giving love that is the that is the likeness of god and i heard both uh, two of you at least reference unity with distinction earlier which is also the likeness of god for the father is not the son and yet the father is god the son is not holy spirit and yet the son is god holy spirit is not the father and yet holy spirit is god and so all of us are humanity 
all of us are sons and daughters of God. All of us are children of God, but I am not Berlin. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Leslie is not Bethany, but they are, all of us are children of God, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we begin to catch the likeness of God, that's a last name type uh, part of our identity that we are all humanity. We are all unified and yet distinct from one another, unity without losing distinction. And that is inclusive, right? Uh, Berlin, you made the great point earlier about you can always identify something that is a false identity because it causes division. Whether mm -hmm. as true identity actually brings unity because we are mm -hmm. all children of God. And then the image of God is that we see in scripture is a king on a throne over a territory called heaven. And so the foundational, basic, most important part of my identity is that I'm a son. Secondarily, I'm made in the image of the king of kings. If he's my king, Oh, that makes me a king too. And so my identity did not mature out of sonship. It matured into kingship. So now I understood, oh, I'm a son and I'm a king. Uh, but also, you know, being made in the image of three persons and one being this triune God, uh, you have the father, right? And so the end goal of my identity is to mature not out of sonship, not out of kingship, but into being a father. Uh, and when I say father, not just a biological father to my daughter, which I already am, but someone who walks as a father on the earth, having the ability to meet orphans and pull them into sonship, meet daughters and pull them into queenship, meet kings and pull them into fatherhood because of the promotional aspect of the identity of being a mother or a father. So to lay it out plainly, I would say that most people on earth are living from an orphan identity. And because orphans don't know who they belong to, they try to belong to things, to mm -hmm. ideas, to mindsets, to belief systems, right? But once we break free from that, the opinions of others, right, then we step into sonship, daughterhood, and then we should be maturing into kingship, queenship, and then we should be maturing into motherhood and fatherhood on the earth for the sake of humanity. And that's kind of my picture of, of true identity. And so once I caught that, I mean, everything changed with each one of those maturation processes. And I went from not knowing who I was, who I belonged to, what I was here for, into shifting more and more into a state of convergence, where I understand where I came from, who I am, what I was made to do, where I am meant to do it. And I am spending more and more uh, of my life doing only things that I was made for. Not that I don't do things that are hard, not that I don't do things that I don't like, but I'm having to do less and less of things I was not made for and only things I was made for. And I think that that is the real benefit of walking in identity, because you get to begin to live the life that you were created to live. Yeah, that's so good. Wow. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, I want that, you know, like I want to reach that point in my life where I only do the things that I want to do or, or. That was I was made, made to do. I don't want to do, but at least I was made to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Most of humanity that... lives a life doing things they were not made to do. And yeah. what a terrible waste of an existence that is. That, well, that even goes back. Like um, we recorded a previous episode. We had Bethany's cousin Matt on here and we were talking about the difference between um, how many churches we've seen where you have pastors that wanted power and leadership that were probably supposed to be CEOs. And that would like pastor has been, we were talking about like how pastor has been turned into a job title, not into like a gift that God gave someone put in, put in someone. So like, yeah. as you're talking it, like that kind of pulled that back where it's like, are you actually made to do it? Or is it something right. that we have taken from 
um, a piece and facets and things of who we are and made it into a title that someone can become. Now, obviously we can all grow in different pieces and different things, but like, is it a part of who you are and what you're made to do? Yeah. And I, and I think even like the things, like the things you were made to do, you will want to do naturally. Mm -hmm. And even though it's hard, like, even though like not everything's easy and you know, you're not going to, but if you were made to do this, you will want to do it. And that, that like drive from the inside will make the hard, Mm -hmm. not even like, it'll be hard, but it won't, it, it'll fulfill you and light you up. It's not going to drain you and take things out of you. It's actually going to still life-giving life-giving. I've heard heard someone call it like, choose your suck. Like they're always going to have some, like, there's always going to be pieces of what you do that suck. You just get to choose the suck that you want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Like, cause there's going to be hard pieces, but like when you have grace on it and it's something you're passionate about and it's, you're coming out of it from who you are, like the sucky things aren't going to be that sucky. Right. And, and like won't be broken, which is a big deal. When yes. you understand that everything flows from identity, uh, you know, what you misunderstand, you will mismanage, and that which is mismanaged will malfunction. Mm-hmm. And so that's why so many people are a wreck today. They don't know who they are, therefore, they don't know what they were made to do. Therefore, they are mismanaging their identity, which causes them to experience malfunction in their purpose. Yeah. How wow. how like you progressing in that in that, um, process of finding your identity. I love how you said you didn't come out of any, like you didn't like leave sonship or kingship. You just added, yeah, it's that whole triune, that three part of who you are or are meant to be never leaving one, but just building on it and realizing that this is just another piece of my identity. is so godlike, like, you know, like God in that picture. And I love that so much. Um, how did you, how did it, your life, did your life like experience acceleration or like, did you have a lot of favor? Like how did maturing in those affect your life around you? You know, like what are some of the tangible things you can tell? Yeah. So I believe if you continue on with that verse, let us make mankind in our likeness and in our image and let them have dominion. And so let me quickly clarify exactly what dominion looks like from a kingdom perspective, uh, because we, with our Western Protestant evangelical American mindsets, we hear dominion and we think, you know, controlling people, power hungry, all of that garbage, you know, but uh, dominion in the kingdom, that's domination, by the way, and domination is not kingdom. Dominion in the kingdom looks like bringing chaos into order so that all of humanity is served well. And that's what we see God doing. It says that the earth was formless and void, and, but that the spirit of God hovered over the waters. And that uh, we don't have time to break all of this down, but it really meant to vibrate over the waters. It was creating a frequency. And the frequency of God over the matter of creation brought that formless and void, that chaos into order in order to create territory for the son and the daughter who are about to be created to be placed on in order to serve them well. So when we see God exerting dominion himself, he's bringing chaos into order so that he could see humanity served well. And so as we mature in this process, oh, I'm a son of God. Oh, I was made to be a king on the earth. That means I'm meant to walk in dominion. Not to have domination over any individual, but to have dominion over territory, atmospheres, things, and wherever there is chaos to bring it into order so that all people are served well. So two things are happening as I progress through my identity. One is that the chaos inside of me is being brought into order 
so that my inner world serves who I am well, so that my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, my thought processes, uh, my behaviors, my actions, my habits, and then my emotional state, which is simply a, a byproduct of those things, uh, operates in joy, in peace, and in, in purpose. And then uh, the secondary benefit is, is that the more that you establish the kingdom within, the more that you bring dominion to chaos within, the more you will naturally extend the kingdom around you, and the more you will naturally bring chaos into order for the sake of those who are around you, which is really what it's all about. That's good. Can you define for us what you mean by um, like having dominion and in um, an order over yourself? Because that's one thing we talk about a lot is the amount of we talk a lot about like the control and stuff we came from. And I think for some, like having order over yourself could sound like show up, look like the perfect Christian, do the right thing. Don't ever let anyone know that you've any weaknesses, mm. any hard times, like that performance. So how would you like actually define what that means, what that looks like of having like the order and stuff in yourself? Yes, that's a great question. So I would say that it's, it's not about performance. It's about peace. And so it's what must I do to bring my mindset into peace? What must I do to bring my emotional state into peace? What must I do to bring my body into peace? If there's anything in my mind, will, or emotions uh, that is chaotic or that is uh, not at peace, then that is not what I was created to live in and from. And so that means that I'm agreeing with a lie. Uh, either a lie that I believe about God, a lie that I believe about myself, or a lie that I believe about the world. And so when I, I must search out the truth, I must seek the truth in that situation and then agree with it. When you agree with the truth, you begin to align with the truth. And once you do that, that is what will bring, you know, if, if you are an individual that your mind is constantly running, you never have peace of mind, right? Uh, then man, you need to begin to think about what you're thinking about and then bring your chaotic thought process into order, not from a performance place so that maybe you'll be good enough for somebody to approve of you, but so that you can access the benefits that are available to you as a much loved son or daughter of God. Mm -hmm. That's, good. That's so good. And I think that even applies to like, you know, you were talking about order around you, you know, you first have to have it inside of you before you can have it around you, which just makes sense. Like you can't give what you don't have first for yourself, you know, and like, that order you talked about bringing things into order for the benefit of everybody wouldn't wouldn't peace apply to that as well like bringing things into order so that they're at peace Absolutely. so that everybody can benefit from that peace and benefit from that you know because bringing things into order and like uh having dominion over them i think it's important to remember that you're not doing that for the benefit of only yourself or like, mm -hmm. so that you feel better about it. It's so that, Hey, how is this going? It has to be a 10,000 foot view of how is this going to benefit every single person who will be affected by this or who will come into this atmosphere, you know, whether it's a business or whatever, you know, like, how is it going to affect them? And how can I establish peace to such an extent that they walk in and they experience that peace and it like benefits them because you can't not walk into peace and not experience yeah. mm -hmm. goodness benefits. I mean, like everybody loves peace, right? Especially with the world is just a little chaotic because I think because there's a lot of orphans running it and they just don't know it. You know, they have identity. They're just unaware of it. And I think that's why like a lot of like the saying of, well, you know, did you get your identity or like 
how do they get their identity? It's like, they've always had it. Just their awareness. They were just unaware of it. Mm-hmm. And that changes even the orphan mindset of like, I don't have identity. Yeah. I don't have it. Yeah, you do. Just got to mind that out. You know, you got to pull out the gold as Leslie likes to say <laughs> <laughs> out of yourself. And so, I mean, yeah. how many movies, the whole plot premise is based on an orphan that's meant to be a superhero, but they don't know who they are or where they came from. And mm-hmm. so, you know, really oh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood is, is prophesying the Sorry, cry of mankind's heart. And so it's not that they weren't who they were. It's just that they were unaware of it. They were ignorant to it. They, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't know it yet. And so it's, uh, I like that word awakening. I would also say, uh, you know, just, it, you can't even awaken to something until you're aware of it, right? Uh, right? And so being made aware, someone, you need to be able to hear from someone, wow, hey, I actually know where you came from. And I know who you are on a, on a basic level, would you like to know? Uh, and most people do, you know, uh, but religion has done such a horrific job of misrepresenting, uh, you know, what God is like, and and so religion will always religion will always call you a sinner and tell you that you are going to hell whereas the kingdom will inform you that you are a son and that you came from the heart of a good kind loving heavenly father and those are two radically different propositions uh, for people to hear and so you know the reason that most uh let me see how i should phrase this the reason that the majority of the world wants nothing to do with Jesus is because he has been misrepresented mm-hmm. uh, by religious people and his message hasn't even been preached at all. Yeah. So you never once, there's not one time in scripture where Jesus publicly preaches that people need to be saved. Uh, you know, he just preached the gospel of the kingdom. <laughs> That's so true. And then one time, Nick at night comes to him in John three sixteen and says, how do I get into this kingdom? And he's, Jesus says, oh, you have to be born again. And so, you know, we've gotten all messed up in, in, in yeah. the presentation of what we think the gospel is, and we've totally missed the actual gospel. But taking that movie analogy, you know, like, okay, the superhero who has been born from, he's always had this inside of him or her, you know, she's always had this inside of her. And then they have these, this villain or these people who try to keep them unaware of who they are. Like religion is that villain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, and religion is, you know, <laughs> go ahead. I'll say, and there's always proof there too. Cause that was my big thing. When I started to understand, like all of us have gotten in like crafted and like, we all have like an identity statement, right? Like that we have. And one thing I realized is when my identity statement, I figured out what it was. Like, I was like, oh, well, duh. That's what religion came after all the time. Like mine is mm-hmm. I am fierce truth. And every time I asked a question that was trying to pull out some truth, or like, hey, that doesn't seem right. Or where's that actually at in the Bible? I was criticized for it, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, because religion will push down who you are. And it, Absolutely. but at the same time, it will actually give you very exact signs to who you are. Like, yeah. it, like, it yeah. really, like, what are all the things that I feel like I was like criticized or pushed down or cut off or whatever? And you look back, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Like the places where my struggles have been are in in religion specifically are oftentimes a really good key to seeing who you are as a person how you're showing up because it will fight against you yeah and that's so sad that religion's actually better at finding and pulling out your identity misusing it well yeah (laughs) you're finding it it's finding it right and then it's like oh wait 
because you're going to mess up what I my my agenda, we got to like shut mm-hmm. that down. Yeah. Right. So Deb, I do have a question, like as a father and teaching your daughter about identity, what has that like looked at or looked like for you? Yeah. And even for mm-hmm. her, like, I'm, I'm interested to know, and I've actually got a follow-up question after you kind of talk about this for a second, but like, how has that looked of like raising a daughter with identity? Because we do have a lot of parents that listen as well, um, of young kiddos. And so this is the perfect time for them to like, step in because like no, we don't yeah. want to raise orphans right? right like that's not that's we don't want to do that yeah. we don't want to raise our kids like no in the same situation yeah. so how what does that look like for you to raise your daughter with identity and like like how'd you discover that like how do you discover that and how do you implement that yeah it's a great question so because my my belief system is that we all came from the heart of a good, kind, loving Heavenly Father, and that He is the greatest designer of all time. I believe that He created all of us on purpose, for purpose. And so the three things that I always look to in any individual is what is their natural resources? What are they just naturally good at? What is their supernatural passions? In other words, what do they love? And there's no explanation for it other than they just love it, right? And then thirdly, the unnatural attacks which have come against them, which is what Berlin was referencing in, in the uh, identifying that religion always hands you a backhanded compliment. Uh, it will punch you where it's most afraid of you. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'm as my daughter has been growing up, I've been watching the natural resources. And what is she just naturally good at? Well, she's she's super articulate you know she was using big words when she was little and she's hilarious right so i know automatically from the natural resources uh that god has designed her with and put her in her that uh you know part of her identity is that she's a communicator uh that is she is meant to represent the communic the communicative qualities of god uh, that, you know, the, the thing that she's hilarious. Oh, she's meant to release joy on the earth. She's a joy carrier. Uh, and then supernatural passions. She loves musical theater. Uh, she loves to uh, make jewelry. And, uh, and Berlin has really helped her with that too, which is super cool. But, um, you know, what is royal, what is, uh, you know, musical theater about? Well, the purpose of arts and entertainment is to suspend reality and provide enjoyment for people uh, so that it shifts them back into a creative state. That's why it's called recreation. What is it that you like to do for recreation? Oh, to shift back into a creative state. Oh, well, she loves to perform in musical theater. And so I know, okay, well, there's this entertainment quality to who she is and her supernatural passion points towards Uh, Her being someone who releases creativity on the earth, who has the ability to suspend reality and shift people into a restful state. She is a rest releaser on the earth. And then, you know, what are things that have come against her? Uh, You know, I would say that probably the most painful thing that I've seen her experience is, uh, you know, rejection from friend groups. And, you know, she really does pretty well in, uh, you know, she's a social butterfly. She has a lot of friends, but, you know, especially, uh, I I mean, I should ask y'all why this is, I don't know, but as, as girls get older, like uh, friend groups get kind of clickish and they could be really mean to each other for apparently like no reason. I'm like, what is happening here? Because they're insecure. (laughs) Mm, Gotcha. And so I know that her place of pain shall become her place of rain. It's a backhanded compliment. The unnatural attack against her, uh, in the area of rejection 
from friends or people that should have been friends, uh, that points to her being a great friend, someone who has the ability to extend friendship upon the earth and actually reconciliation. Uh, as you know, scripture says that Jesus gave us the administration of reconciliation on the earth. And one of my favorite uh, definitions of reconciliation is the restoration of an old friendship. And mm-hmm. so because I've watched her natural resources, her supernatural passions and her unnatural attacks, I've always spoken into her life. Wow, you are such a great communicator. And you are going to communicate truth in a way that people can apprehend uh, apprehend and implement truth in their lives. It's going to make their lives better. Uh, you are so funny. Like you release joy everywhere that you go. And it does people good to laugh. You're actually affecting their health because you get them to laugh because you're funny. Uh, you know, you, man, you're a royal entertainer. You are so, so good at performing. But notice that when you are performing, that you are allowing people to suspend reality and experience a few moments of rest and pleasure that allows them to shift back into a creative state. And man, you are such a good friend and you have the ability to bring people together in unity. And so I'm calling out those first name aspects of her identity based upon that method. And that works everywhere for everybody. That's so true. Because it's so true. (laughs) I know Cindy and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly Uh who she is. Like, Mm -hmm. She's really good at being a good friend. And I think that most, most girls, and I, you, know, you guys can weigh in on this, but most girls don't have a father like that. Mm-hmm. And so they're insecure. Like yeah. they don't know who they are. So they've got to feel good or, or like secure somehow. And so, you know, it's just a dirty game that's played that, that mm-hmm. they don't intentionally, I don't think right. they intentionally right. like mean so to play conscious. the game, but it's just a result of not of them mm-hmm. not having their identity. Yeah, exactly. All of all of that, everything you just explained with that dub, the like and going through that little by little and like how you pull it out is so helpful because we because like I said, we in these previous episodes we've gone through, and I'm sure we'll be in future episodes too. And we've <laughs> talked about like why and how have things gotten like this in the church and in the cultures we grew up in. And it's exactly that. It's like you've got to tell people what to do if you don't know how to call out the greatness of who they are. You've got to mm-hmm. like shove different things out. I just see like wow. the, the little, what's the little game, whack-a-mole. the whack-a-mole, like <laughs> I'm like, boop, boop, like knock these certain things down and kind of t- keep everyone in line. Whereas if everyone, not just kids, not just teenagers, we talk a lot about our teenage years, you know, cause that's the years that formed a lot of our, our religious beliefs and stuff or through a lot of them way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, starting of the, we started reconstruction. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of, it gives a really good, like that was a really good example of how we can actually tangibly do that in other people, because yes, mm-hmm. you're doing it with your daughter, but that's how like we can start to implement, like someone's listening. They're like, I'm in a church and I'm starting to realize that I want to like deconstruct and certain things or reconstruct other things that you can actually play, be an, make an impact on speaking into other people in your church, in your culture, community around you, because you can see these things. Like you can see if someone's an entertainer or if someone brings joy or like We've all got that one friend that just laughs hysterically and the, every, the whole room has to laugh whether you know the person or not. Like right. we all know those people, right? And We're so we thinking of the out. same person. Yeah. Right <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So it was good. Yeah. Did you remember your follow-up question yeah, that you had? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it comes to her identity, how does that play into how you teach her about certain things? So we were talking about like purity culture and how the church wouldn't have had to talk toxic purity culture had they just taught identity mm-hmm. like it would yeah. have been a whole different lesson so how has like apprehending her identity and using that as a parent like how has that affected the way you teach her about life 
Yes, I think it, it kind of goes back to that saying of what you misunderstand, you will mismanage. And so when someone doesn't understand their identity, then they will naturally act in ways that are not congruent with it. And so because we have been constantly reminding her and telling her about who she is, um, she realizes naturally that there are certain things that she doesn't do because, oh, that's not what uh, Cinda Alexander does. That's not what the Alexanders do. That's not what a son or daughter of God does. Um, and it's not a don't do that thing. It's a, hey, remember who you are. Because when you remember who you are, you naturally won't do the things that you're not made to do. Uh, and so because religion is so performance and behavior driven, right? It's constantly pointing to what you've done and telling you to control what you've done rather than pointing to who you are, because when you know who you are, then you naturally do the things you were made to do. And so um, I always tell the story of, I began to catch this, you know, like, oh, it's not about, it's not about trying to control behavior. It's about unlocking identity. And so when Cinda was very small, she went to this little preschool and I went to go pick her up and the teacher was waiting for me with her arms crossed and uh, Cinda was pouting in one corner and Tucker was crying in the other corner. And I was like, oh, this is not good. And, uh, you know, the teacher was like, Mr. Alexander, we need to talk. And I was like, okay, what's happening? And she said, well, Tucker tried to steal Cinda's toy and Cinda bit him. And internally, I was like, way to go, kid. You don't let Tucker <laughs> <laughs> externally i'm like clearly this is unacceptable behavior like she can't be biting people right and so uh, i walk over to and i realize in that moment i have an opportunity to either address the behavior or to address the identity and so i just got down on one knee and i looked at her and i said hey cinda what i love about you is that you're kind what i love about you is that you're generous what i love about you is that you're a good friend and I just began to go through this list of all the things that I love about her. What am I doing? I'm reminding her of who she is. I didn't one time reference the behavior, uh, but before I was done, she stood up and walked over to Tucker, gave him a hug and apologized. And so she rectified the situation uh, simply because she was reminded of who she was. And so the more that, that you can, the more that you can help someone understand who they are, the more they will operate in congruence with it. That is, listen, if I would have had that growing up, do you know how much different my childhood would have been? <laughs> right. Like, I'm getting a little teary just thinking I know, about I was like, like, I'm seriously like trying to fight back tears. Yeah, because like, that's so powerful. Like nobody could have told, nobody, anybody who would have tried to, or anything that would have tried to like, oh, you're not that. I just would have laughed at it and been like, you're crazy. That's not who I am. Like, I wouldn't even have, you know, given it a second thought, which I know you, Doug, you talk about, that's the attributes yeah. of like, um, what is it? Either peace or joy. Yes. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Peace, yeah. righteousness, joy, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah and like, righteousness be not being doing the right thing, which is what religion would like uh, you to believe. Righteousness is being in right standing with who you actually are when one is as they were meant to be that's what righteousness is and so religion is don't do the kingdom is remember and be yeah Ugh. that's so good i'm just yeah. i'm just thinking like how much more peaceful parenting probably is yeah <laughs> like just from that that place too yeah, yeah. of yeah. coming at it from that angle gosh because religion is you know 
just a reminder that religion is man's way to God. Like it's the way to work yourself into a relationship and, you know, stay there with God. And that's never what was required, right? Like that was never a thing. Just even if man- they say it's not, that's what it is. Yeah. So like, even that's if people, <laughs> even if people say like, oh, we're not religious. Okay. What do you expect? What do you require people to do? Like, what is your expectation? Because if you have anything that is religion, like religion mm-hmm. can creep in to anything. You can mm-hmm. use the right words, mm-hmm. but still do the wrong thing. You know, and like religion bases your identity on like you are what you do. Yeah. And that's very destructive because it keeps you in that performance thing where like, okay, I am what I do, then crap, I've got to like make sure I do the right things. Mm-hmm. And in the like in the kingdom, which is a whole other topic, and dub is the best person to go to for learning about the kingdom, <laughs> like the kingdom is you already are. You, anything that you do, n- nothing you do will take away from who you are. You cannot diminish who you are, mm-hmm. no matter and no matter what you do. You might have consequences from what you do because everybody has consequences, and consequences can be good or bad. It's not like they're always sure. bad, right? I think we've made the connotation of oh, a consequence is a bad it's thing, right? Purely negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go to work, and the, con- the consequences, I get paid. I yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just that that realizing of the separation of like in the kingdom you're already born with your identity and Mm -hmm. you already are that and nothing you do can affect it Mm -hmm. which makes you automatically want to just be who you are like you don't even really care about doing you know even something that about doing something that's outside of your character or it's outside of who you are rather than your character yeah Mm -hmm. it's good anyway this has been really good it has been it's gone by so fast I know. wasn't already <laughs> like looking at the time is oh, there any the is there any other like final notes about identity or like anything else you'd like to add that maybe we haven't hit yet I think that because of the direction that this took which uh had a, a really great emphasis on parenting and so I, I would anticipate this episode being shared with other parents Uh, Because of that, I would like to reference uh, the story in scripture about uh, God bringing the animals to Adam in the garden to see for Adam to name them. And, uh, you know, before I caught the revelation of what was really going on there, I always thought that was a really weird story. Like, so God creates the animals and then he brings them to Adam to see what he would name them. And like, was God tired of naming animals? Like, Adam (laughs) clearly was by the end. He's He's like, like, you do the rest. Right. Like, there's like. (laughs) He's adding extra letters, you know, and so, uh, but once you catch that the word for call in the Hebrew, I believe it's kara, and it means to read, to call out, to recite, and to proclaim. And so what God was actually doing was he was training his son in what it was going to be like to be a father. And so uh, to read, to call out, to recite, and to proclaim. So the original intent of parenting is to read the identity, purpose, and destiny on your child's life, which I just described how I do that with my daughter earlier. To read it, but then to do what? To call it out of them. To recite it back to them until they know it, and then to proclaim it so the world knows how to receive their child correctly. And so I believe that once you catch the original intent of parenting is to do that, to read the identity, purpose, and destiny on your child's life, to call it out of them, to recite it back to them until they know it, and then to proclaim it so the world knows how to receive your child correctly. I believe that that is a real game changer when it comes to, uh, to parenting. So I think that uh, that's a, a, good, a good bow on, on the whole direction that this podcast took. 
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, and the cool thing is you can use that on yourself too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like go, go to thinkbabynames.com, look up what your, your what your name means, your kid names, right. all that. And like, it's, it's a simple way to, to even look at just that piece of it and stuff. So yeah. Um, Dub, where can people find you? Yeah. So, uh, schoolofkingdom.com, uh, all of the social media school of kingdom, you can find us everywhere on that little, you know, short teachings and YouTube would be a great place. So yeah, let's hang out. Awesome. Yes. There's some great content there. You guys, if you want to understand some of the things he's talking about on a little bit deeper level, I mean, now we hit on like the words orphans, kings, sons, all, all these different things too. Dub yeah. has some great teachings on those things to kind of really um, define them, define a lot of things that we see in scriptures in mm-hmm. a language that doesn't add thousand these and all those things. <laughs> it's not King James version. It's actually understandable. Yeah. You can understand yeah. it a little bit better and um, super tangible to apply to your life and stuff too. So yeah. I'd also say that a resource that might be beneficial to your audience would be uh, my book from the cult to the kingdom, which is available on Amazon. And in it, it is, you know, just a story of, uh, you know, growing up in a very religious cult and then uh, escaping that literally running away and uh, encountering the kingdom and then stepping into purpose and destiny. Uh, But uh, sprinkled throughout is a lot of really tangible um, theological pieces on, on, where I'm coming from when I talk about the good father and his interaction with us and how we are meant to show up in the world. So check that out as well. Yeah, that book is amazing. I have it in like, I, it's a, it's the kind of book that you just don't ever put down. Like you just finish it because you can't not read it. And so um, it's so very well done. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's very practical. Like you said, there's a lot of things in there that you don't really realize until after you've read it and you're like, oh my gosh, that just makes so much sense. And it's so practical to understand, you know, um, theological things or, you know, even where you came from and, and like apply it to your own life. And so mm-hmm. I love it so much. And we will link all these things in the show notes in the yeah. description as well. So for you sure. guys can find those things easily. Yeah. Dub, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you coming on and I'm sure thank our audience is grateful for this as well. Cause it was amazing. Like mm-hmm. I know all of us who have like walk this process. We're just like, we even got more. So <laughs> yeah. thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. See ya.